Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Universe podcast. I'm your host Leo, here with Ellie, Charlotte, Dora and Philip. Hello everybody. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Today we're discussing aspects of writing gender, uh, experiences with it and maybe also how to do it. Just a quick disclaimer, in this round of people we're all cisgender people, so even though we might touch on transgender and genderqueer uh, aspects of writing gender, we're definitely not experts here, and I'm sure there's people you should rather listen to on these aspects. Just so you know, let's do a quick uh, round of introductions so everybody says their names and hello, so people know which voice to assign to which name. Would you like to start, Philip? Okay, hi, I'm, I'm Philip. I've, I've been on the podcast once before, and this is my cis male voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Ellie. You might remember me as Leo's co-host from the uh, previous episodes. Hi, my name is Dora. This is my first time on the podcast, and I'm very excited to share my ideas and looking forward to talk. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm Charlotte, you also might already know me as Leo's co-host from some other episodes. Great. It's really good to have you all here. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Just so the listeners know, we're here at Charlotte's place. I think it's your workroom. Kind of, yeah. It's it's very cosy. It's my work and dressing room. (laughs) Okay. Fancy. (laughs) Very fancy. It's a bit cuddly, but it's, it's all right. Let's start with the first question. Have you ever thought about uh, authentically describing a man or a woman or any other gender in any of your texts? In what way do you mean authentically? Can you elaborate? Well, a little bit? I imagine there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. it there are certain things I suppose you can always do it badly. Mm-hmm. You can always write a character in a way that will um, make people not believe that they are a man or a woman. Or a so out of the stereotype, in a way. Yeah, I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really have consciously tried to do that, but I was once made aware by a friend that in the story I'd written, the main character seemed a bit strange because he wasn't really like men are supposed to be and then we had a long discussion about it and I said I don't really know what an authentic man is supposed to be first of all and secondly I was like this is my story and it's about a person and the character and not about the gender this person has so I didn't really get the whole point but I don't know what you guys think. I think that's a great point because we are talking about characters and personalities and I feel like gender norms or, or maybe stereotypes are shaping us in a way or limiting us in some way because then if you're a man and you have to act or act in a certain way or do, do certain things and well I just want to have a character who has um, features from both genders it's just a person so what's the point in, in limiting them in some way but I understand why it might come off really strange for some people because this is sort of normalized in a way. Mm. I think, for, speaking for myself, in like the early days of my writing, I 
I tried to I tried harder to establish the difference between the the masculine and the feminine voices of the characters. Um, but I think as I as I went on writing, I just uh, I just wrote what felt natural to those characters' personalities, and every now and then I just think, okay, like would this like male or female friend of mine say it like this? And that's like the most I think about the the, the gender, the the authenticity of the gender now. Well, for me, um, about authentic writing, always this, this gender, authenticity, what comes up is uh, typical romantic novels, which are basically not true, not reality, what they write about there. And I always try to, as you guys said, focus rather on personality and that we're all humans. And basically these things are just fluid and not to conform to these these roles that are somehow prescribed by um, society or norms. So you're all quite unconventional writers, I feel. Um, maybe, in that, maybe. Kind of, in that regard at least. But there are characters who would conform to those norms because there are people in yeah. life who do, so exactly. you can okay. have those characters. Isn't it writing always about experimenting also with identities, not just other identities, but also with yours? And like that's why we are not regular in this way, because I think who writes and who's into literature likes to find out these ways of gender. That's a great point. Yeah, I think, I suppose it's a great tool of exploring how people might be and how people could be and also how people are. Mm -hmm. So when you design a character, I have to say, I don't know anything about designing a character. I only write poetry. <laughs> yeah, <and me> too. <laughs> I have no idea. I have absolutely not a clue. How do you approach this? Are there any steps, techniques you use? Because gender is a part of your character. So where does this factor in when you write a character, when you start thinking about what is this character and what are they like? I usually write from sort of like the first person, so I always have myself in mind and usually I go for the, for like female lead characters because, I don't know, it's, they're more relatable I guess. Mm. And I always struggle with finding some ways to like describe a male character in a like inherently because I don't know what I don't know what they're like in what way do they differ from the female characters that I have or what are they doing in their free times how do they handle situations I, I don't really have a clue I mean I have male friends I don't know I have male family members but I can't really it's harder for me to relate and make a character out of it like, rather than, I mean, comparing to female characters, it's always harder to do the, the opposite gender, in a way. Because I also don't know what's acceptable, what's not, what's going to come off really strange when people are reading it and what's not. Um, so, sometimes that's a problem, I guess. I, I think I get your point, but I always say to people who criticize things like that, I say, first of all, I'm an artist and I created this story and I created the people in the story and who can tell me that of all of the 3.5 billion 
men or women in the world, there's not one single one who is like the person yeah. I've created. You're the god of your story. Exactly, and I mean, not every man is the same way, and not every woman is the same way. So, True. and like, yeah, what's... Yeah, of course, I mean, there are more typical, stereotypically speaking, more typical men and more typical women, but they don't have to appear in my stories. <laughs> yeah, true. True. That also means that you're thinking out outside of that box, in a way. If you don't know what is normal or what's mm -hmm. considered the norm, then you're actually creating, is what we talked about before, you're creating a personality uh, from scratch, so you don't really have that kind of bias, in a way. So it can't even be good to show people I can be this. I can. I don't have to have certain qualities. I don't have to do certain things to be a man or to be a woman. Like exactly. I, this exists. And to answer your question, Liu, um, all I can say to my character development is that the characters that I write about just come to me. Sounds very strange, I know, but sometimes I feel like I am kind of like a vessel for somebody else's story. And then I write it down and then it's there. And I don't know where it came from. I just know that I had to write it down. Mm -hmm. And then there are all these people coming up and I know that this person wants to be like this and this person wants to be like this. And then there's somebody very young and somebody very old and maybe a few men and maybe a few women. And yeah, that's kind of vague and strange, yeah. I know, but that's my process. But it's the same with poetry, I guess, right? Like, when it just comes to you. Sort of, you don't really explicitly think about it, it's kind of there. It just shapes in your mind and then you just, like, let it out. Yeah, it's really well. difficult with poetry, I think, because, yeah, I don't really think about the gender of the speaker in my poetry. Yeah, like, generally, I even. I mean, when you said, like, characters come to you, it's, like, the same with just, like, you don't have to have a character in the poetry, but... No. Just, like, the words and the whole idea just comes to you. You don't really construct something so explicitly. Sometimes you do, but usually when it comes to art... I really enjoy in poetry that it's kind of dense and there is more focus on the language and in English and also in German, you can experiment with the, with the gender differences, with the pronouns. Because my, my mother tongue is Hungarian and we don't have that. <laughs> and I have to tell it to the reader explicitly in Hungarian if... whether I'm a woman or a man. But with English, you can, you can play with that, with words, and poetry allows that, with rhymes and, mm -hmm. and more focus on the language. And I think it's it's very interesting if you create a poetic speaker or, or a lyrical eye. I also experimented with short stories, actually, and uh, I always wrote about women. I wrote two stories. And in both, it's interesting that I always imagine my characters as solitary and, and those, like, not depending on someone else, but it's interesting how they are so fluid in character, in both gender and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not like the norm, how they, women, de should depend on men. <laughs> yeah. um, to, to add something to what Charlotte said, I think probably a lot of writers, or even most writers, can relate to the idea that 
a character just sort of comes to you, or you've had this idea of a character in your mind for a while, but you, either you, you don't know where they come from, or you forgot where they come <laughs> from, and they just put them down to paper. And to me personally, um, I think it's either that when I create a character, um, it's either just a lot of thought processes happening at the same time, and I already have a picture, but when I really think about it, like, I think gender is like one of one of the first things that comes into into play because it gives me a clearer picture of what this character looks like, and I think it's just much easier to do, to write someone and to describe someone, even even describe someone's personality if you have a picture in your mind. And otherwise, I I think to me it's first like gender, maybe like a general like a vague silhouettes of the person's look, of the character's looks, and like a core personality trait. And around that core I try I try to build around it because if you only have one personality trait your character's going to be one dimensional. But you know, creating a three dimensional characters is a lot of work and you can slowly build around that. You can you can have a character that's at its core who, like, let's say a female character, let's call her Jessica, at her, at her core she is a goofball, <laughs> but you can build around her and say, well, maybe she's uh, compensating for uh, for her negative feelings with her, with her jokes, and you just go on from there. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe, like, a backstory to mm-hmm. their, I don't know, why they're acting the way they are, or, um, yeah, in that sense, like, gender isn't a big issue for me, because as you said, like it, I have this image. Okay, they're female or male, um, but then like what have what they've been through is like can be like it doesn't have to be defined by gender. It's just happened to them, and in a way like that's the main thing that shapes the characters for me. Like what did they go through and how did they come to this point in the story? I think also for me. Um, just, just to go back to my thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not that I didn't listen to you. It's just I just remembered something that I wanted to ask. <laughs> so, go um, is uh, I think I, I usually write um, a gender that I hadn't written in a while. So if the like the last character that I wrote was male, uh, the the next character I'm going to write is more likely to be female, and the other way around. Mm-hmm. But that's good to kind of practice and experiment around with characters. Otherwise I get bored. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of recently thought that I I think that there are not enough uh, female uh, protagonists in literature, so I started to mostly write my stories from a female perspective. I don't know if that's like justified or not, but I decided to do that. Um, And something else I wanted to say is that sometimes, weirdly, when I read poetry and I don't know who wrote it, I sometimes have a narrator in mind who has a certain gender and I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from. I just think of this person as a woman or as a man or as something else and I'm like, okay, why Why did I get this notion? Is it in the language? Is it in the words? Is it me projecting it? Um, that's something I find very interesting. And then to what you said about Hungarian not having the male and female mm-hmm. pronoun uh, it's the same in Finnish mm-hmm. and I, I spent a year in Finland to study and a friend of mine from France 
studies finished the language and she said for her it was very strange once she read a love story in Finnish and only until the very last pages she didn't understand that the characters were two women because there is no yeah, yeah. pronoun that says that she is. or he it's just one that says it's like a person mm, person <laughs> and yeah and that was very like eye-opening to her she realized oh okay so two women I, i really didn't get that that actually says a lot about the culture and the society yeah i guess I mean, it how like how important gender definitions is for them or not maybe i think we we have a very conventional society in hungary i think mm -hmm. so this is not even a topic mm -hmm. i guess these at least in rural areas I think that's that also makes a big difference where we live. I mean, mm -hmm. in in such an urban area, we can't even imagine this not to be a topic. But like, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And back to your thing, mm -hmm. this swapping mm -hmm. perspectives and and gender. Uh, I think a lot of empathy and sensitivity is needed for this to be able to. Imagine yourself inside a person who is into another gender or another sex, maybe, and it's like a great experiment. Mm -hmm. For me, this is very difficult. <laughs> I have to say because I don't know. Since poems don't have active characterization, I'd say most of them don't. Of course, it's possible to in a poem for the speaker to say, oh, "I am this and this," but I think most of the time it will happen indirectly, so that you might take a guess towards the gender of the speaker from the things they say. So you make a judgment about that. I'm thinking about my poetry. If there is any indication at all, I'm sure there is. There must be for the speaker, but since most of my poems. Um, kind of our observations and feelings that come from myself, even though the speaker isn't necessarily myself, of course. I suppose speaker is also male because I wrote them and I wrote them from my point of view. But I'm not entirely sure if that's always discernible for the reader, if, if you know what I mean. What is amazing, I think, is if you imagine your poems read by a female, or if your speaker is a female, It might give your poems a whole new meanings. That's true. Totally, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I find that amazing. Mm -hmm. I think it's all about the subconscious rules mm -hmm. and ideas that we have about genders. And then when we read something, maybe we read something totally emotional and really, um, I don't know, like, yeah, emotions are more associated with the feminine and everything. And then people might automatically be like, that must be a female author. Mm -hmm. Which is mm -hmm. obviously not really the way to go, but it is true because we do have some kind of associate certain associations. But we never know. <laughs> I'm thinking about other poetry that I've read and I think for poetry it's really hard to judge. Actually I had my own poetry in mind, like the last one that I read about, um, like this inner struggle and inner demons and I was like thinking about that in my head and I'm like people would probably tell like that I'm a female because it's like really detailed and I don't know I just I 
I don't know why, as you said, I'm just like, if you read something, you're just getting these ideas and you don't even know what, where exactly it's coming from. But I was just thinking that like, people would know that I'm a female. We could make, like, there should be an experiment, there should be a mm -hmm. poem without an author, and yeah, people yeah. should be asked this to say... This could be our next event. Is this, is a, did a, a man idea. or a woman write this, or is the speaker male or female? Uh -huh. That would be so interesting, that because would be great. I think that it can't be told, and I also don't think that it has to be. I think it's completely redundant for the enjoyment of a poem. Yeah. I think a lot of people will probably say that a person of their own gender is the speaker or the art protagonist if it's not if it's not given. I think that's kind of just a thing we sometimes automatically do as if we if we don't have enough information about our let's I don't know if if you can call it a protagonist in, in poetry, but let's let's call it a protagonist that we just put ourselves in their shoes <laughs> and like like unless proven otherwise, yeah. That's yeah, I guess. Unless the poem is very, like like Ellie mentioned, either very full of emotions and very lovey-dovey, or it's kind of very the opposite, it's like very st stereotypical, then I, it might happen that men said, oh no, a woman must have written this because, I mean, no man would. I mean, yeah, the stereotypical like ones, that. yeah, but even when... Like you have, like I have this imagery of like blood and the veins and the organs and stuff, but I'm still feeling like that is like too much detail for people to associate with the masculine. For some reason I had that, like which is obviously not, it's a biased opinion because like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not true. It's not really about that at all. But I was thinking people would might maybe think about it like that through their, maybe if they have those ideas. You know what's funny? That we are in the 21st century and this is still a thought that you have <laughs> in your head when writing such a poem as a woman that it might be too masculine. Oh my god. No, no, I, that wasn't my concern. <laughs> yeah. And the other way around, I'm like, I don't like to be a stereotypical person from me. Like, I don't want to be a stereotypical female because I don't want to support that image of mm -hmm. a female. I mean, it, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be what you are and what you feel like and what you want to be like. If you want to be feminine, that should be okay to be feminine. And I definitely have feminine sides and maybe more masculine sides of me. We're all multidimensional people. and But I have this fear of like coming off stereotypical in some way that I'm like avoiding even more from the from coming off or sounding feminine. Which is like also in a way problematic if you think about it, not just like oh I'm really I'm a I'm a female and I'm really scared of like coming off masculine or uh, male like, but I'm actually scared of what is associated with my own gender, so that I don't come off stereotypical. Mm -hmm. That is also a problem I think. Yeah. I'm a bit confused now. Do you mean in? Writing or in general? As yeah, in writing, in like could also be, I guess, interpreted in general. But okay. uh, when I have a female character, I don't want that character to be too stereotypical. Then it sort of ends up being one-dimensional because mm -hmm. you're like just what people would imagine you to be like, or yeah, basically just like really, really stereotypical. That it, there is no depth in that. 
in a way, or I don't know. But I don't think that people should be afraid of still being who they are or like creating characters that are stereotypical in some ways because that's how they're human. Sometimes every each each one of us sometimes is stereotypical. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, in some ways because we just can't not mm-hmm. be and sometimes we are the complete opposite which is also totally exactly mm-hmm. yeah stereotypical means something that is considered to be real by our society and we ought to follow those rules that are that are prescribed by this heteronormative society and what we have in our life what is really reality we, we start to have doubts in that because we think that what is told to us and, and show, showed uh, mm-hmm. to us in culture that should be like a, a normal relationship or, or, uh, or like typical gender characteristics, we, we, we start to feel doubts within ourselves yes. because we don't have them. But that's actually just an image built up. I totally agree. I was once, um, I was really shocked when one of, yeah, an, uh, a person I know once told me, well, you know, you, you surprised me because you're so uh, unhysterical for a woman. Oh my God. And then I was <laughs> like, what is that even? I, I don't even know where to begin to answer this, so to this statement, but then I realized that, as you said, this norm that is yeah, put on yeah. on all of us by society has caused that the yeah the, that a lot of people behave like that, mm-hmm. and then a lot of men meet very stereotypical women, and then a lot of me- women meet stereotypical men, and then they think okay all men are like that or all women are like that, and when they meet somebody who is different. They can't They're surprised. Yeah. This is what uh, Bourdieu calls uh, a, a toxic experience. Are, are you familiar with no. Bourdieu? A, a little bit. Yeah, he's a, a French philosopher, well, sociologist and philosopher, I suppose. And he has this concept of the, the habitus, mm-hmm. which is the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way even the way you think, the way you experience stuff. And this is imprinted on you from the world, and then in this way it's imprinted on you first, and then you act this way, mm-hmm. and then you re-imprint that mm-hmm. on the world in turn. Mm-hmm. And if your habitus always agrees with the habitus of everybody else you meet in the world, it's more difficult for you to perceive that this is only social conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is then the toxic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if I might go back to the uh, writing, I think when you when you think about how people might perceive your writing as in, is this too feminine? Is it feminine enough? I think that's just really bad influence from the outside, and I would I would just advise to, to just not think about reaction to just write how you feel and. I, in my experience, that's just uh, the best writing, um, because I mean people are going to judge your writing either way. Yeah. And exactly. if you if you write a, a story with male or female characters, 
that's going to be comments on is this authentic? Is it not? It's just just don't just don't care. Exactly. And I also I mean we talk about it with, in another podcast session, but we were saying we we convey ideologies through writing. And I feel like if you portray something outside of the stereotype or the like bias norm or just something defined, um, you show people that there's another way to it. That not every everyone has to be this way because exactly. of their gender. And I would really like to do that. That's the only thing I'm conscious about rather than thinking, is it going to come off like too feminine or not feminine enough? But I'm like, I actually want to portray a character that is sort of like showing people that this could be, there could be another way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the only thing I would be concerned about, but still. You don't want it to be too edgy so that it's not that strange. I don't know. Like, there should be a level for it to, like, work with people. To actually get to people. Because if it's too much too edgy, I feel like people are going to be like, ah, okay, this is bullshit. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to take it in because yeah. it's not realistic anymore. Also, I think there's a point where you can get too much criticism. And then that also is a problem. Because then people don't look at your story anymore and don't look at your characters anymore. They, can't they just with that exactly. Anymore. I mean, if, for instance, you write a very very rebellious female character, people might object to it and say, "Oh my God, this is like not a woman anymore." Or on the other hand, if you would write about a man who cries all the time for whatever reason, I don't know, <laughs> and people would also maybe have problems with that, and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to, to publish your story. Or... There's always an audience for yeah. these things, and especially maybe publishers wouldn't wouldn't do it, but in this day and age, on the internet, there's pockets that's of people who would really be into this kind of thing. I mean, if that's what you're going for, that's great, but if you want people to actually resonate with that and, and really take it in, mm. I think it should be a little bit subtle and just like um sort of like make it more mm. realistic and personal so that they actually take it in and not be like well this is just something too edgy and um, i can't yeah. um make a connection with this character i think maybe what you mean and correct me if i'm wrong yeah, sure. is that if you have like for example if you make a character who's very like tomboyish um you don't or like masculine you don't want her entire character just to be about her being masculine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, that, that of course, yeah. Not writing in a tokenistic way, but actually writing fleshed out characters. Uh, about the discussion you had before, I just want to say, you know, about being afraid of, of coming across in a stereotypic way while you're writing and, um, like, the content of your writing up. I don't know if that is maybe my privileged position, but I've never, I've never worried about that, I suppose, N not really, like, I write what I want to write, but I, I think I have a second filter, my filter isn't what I write, but my filter begins rather, um, like, what I share. I, if I look at the th things I share, I don't really share stuff about mental health, or, like, love poetry, stuff like that. Don't know why. Probably because it's not. It's not because I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's probably because it's uh, as a man, I'm conditioned not to talk about these things. Well, that's a stereotype. Yeah, <laughs> that's a stereotype right there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. True. Um, there, I, there are certain connotations with that kind of thing as well, because be, being coming off to like a stereotypical female can also mean like you're not taken as seriously, because there are different connotations with those kind of things. So I feel like maybe that's something that I have maybe subconsciously, maybe I don't know if, if it's the reason, but I feel like yeah, people don't won't take me as seriously if if my character or yeah, if my character comes up too feminine or yeah, it's she's not gonna be perceived as strong or as I don't know mm -hmm. what. So that might be so it depends on the connotations, how you're how why you're afraid of not coming up to serve. I mean, there are obviously negative sides to both stereotypes because there are stereotypes and they're not good. But yeah, like maybe that's the reason why I'm like avoiding to be... I mean, the biggest reason is to show people that there's another way. But another reason could be that because I don't... I want, I want as we talked before, like strong female characters. People, if people perceive females to be weak or whatever, not to be taken seriously, then I want to show people, no, look, you can, but... And I think in order to achieve a shift in how society thinks about men and women, literature or any kind of media, I mean, there are a million ways to do it, but I think for me, for my writing, I wouldn't want to do it in a way that... Um, how can I say that? That uh, you you said something really great before. You said that should be subtle. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't think it has to be subtle, but I don't think it has to be right in your face exactly. either. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good if it's maybe somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between. Yeah. Exactly, because then it's more realistic. It's not all about look. I'm not a stereotypical female, because then that becomes again a one-dimensional character. Yeah. Exactly. You want more. Yeah. Like, uh, do you know the, the term Mary Sue? Or what is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. uh, it's this, uh, I think it comes from Star Trek, where there's one episode with this, like, uh, female character who's, like, uh, the hyperbole of a strong female character, and she's smarter and stronger and better in any way than in any male <laughs> uh, character. And to the point where it's just ridiculous, where she doesn't have <laughs> any, like a parody yeah, yeah, which, which yeah, she doesn't yeah. have any personality, and I think that's that's been adapted to just just call female characters like that a Mary Sue, mm -hmm. where it's just okay, we get it, you're you're the best, you're better than, than any man, <laughs> but but who are you really? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good to know. Actually, I think it's become to be used quite derisively there as well, like as a. Every time writers try to to present a, uh, an authentic and strong woman, the woman might immediately be called a Mary Sue, even though it's not actually the case. Like for instance, um, Hermione in the Harry Potter books and stuff like that, Katniss or Katniss Everdeen, or especially I saw it especially happened with the, the how should you call them the one in the Star Wars movie uh, Ray yeah Ray. Ray she's like one of those who got there was you know the big anti-feminist mm. backlash was you know calling calling Mary Sue out all over the place I just remember the one guy who edited oh, yeah. the, the last Star Wars movie so there weren't any women in it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh, must be a great movie <laughs> 
when I said like I want to reshape the way that people think and it should not be shouting in their faces but like really subtle and they should be able to resonate with that and be influenced by that and but for that to happen is people to have an open mind to it and I feel like if you're maybe going out of that norm in your characters maybe they some people might reject it and not even this is like I'm not even allowing my kids to read this kind of thing (laughs) or myself that could be a risk but then like I wouldn't not write it because of (laughs) feminist writing is actually all about revising these master narratives that are created by patriarchal societies Mm -hmm. and Gynocriticism, I think there was this, um, what, do you, what do you call it, uh, people actually, yeah, studied the female literature and rewrote um, on more of a feminist perspective, mm-hmm. just like what you were saying, there was actually yeah, yeah. a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of, about the Bechtel test? Mm-hmm. It's a test. <laughs> that can be applied to any kind of media and it basically has three rules. It asks the question whether there is, there are women in the story, if they talk to each other and if they talk to each other about something other than a man. Okay. And that's kind of a test that tells you if the story is feminist or not. Because if there's, okay, clear, if there's no women in there, yeah, it makes sense. If there are women in there but they don't talk to each other, pretty bad too and if they only talk about men yeah okay that's a great test it is a great test but and now my question comes it has limited me sometimes in writing stories Mm -hmm. because I always had it in the back of my head and I was kind of um, sanctioning myself whenever I didn't whenever I had women in a story Mm -hmm. who talked about a man which is completely stupid I know but it's Some voice in my head always said, yeah. don't don't let them talk about a man. Let them talk about something else. They have to talk about something else. They cannot be talking about men. Are there enough women? Do they talk to each other? And it kind of sometimes really, really limited me in, in writing the story because sometimes it just happens that women talk to each other about men. It doesn't mean that they only do that or always do it. But when they sometimes do, I feel like I'm falling into the trap of net, not... Having, yeah, the best. Yeah, that's where that's still. Just to add to that, we're talking about like a base level of feminist ideas. Yeah. Two women talking to each other about something that's not a man is like a very basic feminist idea. Yeah. Yeah, I understand like why there might be this kind of like perspective, this kind of test, which is like, as I said, like, oh, it's an amazing test, like when I first heard it. But as you explain it, actually, I can see like why it might be limiting. Because I had something in my story where a guy helps a girl and then like, yeah, I wasn't sure, like, mm-hmm. is this feminist enough? Because like, just because he's a guy and helps her doesn't mean she needs help, but because he knows a certain thing about this field, could have been a woman or could have been somebody else, but it's because of his personality, his historical background, that he's able to help in that situation to that female character. And then I was thinking like, hmm, like, she's strong, she can help herself, or she can help him, but the course of my story, actually, like, he is, he happens to be there, and he happens to help her, and I was like, should I change it, should I not change it, it was, to me, like, really, what should I do, because 
it's not gonna come off feminist, but at the same time, this is my story and this is what happened. Exactly. Yeah. What's what came to me, so I understand why it might be really limiting and um, makes yourself like and also doubtful. I think there can be feminist situations between men and women, mm -hmm. and I think it's not a good idea to not write about those because that's actually the ones that we need because mm -hmm. we need to change the interaction of men and women in society to kind of change the way people think about that and each other. So, yeah, sometimes I really have trouble of applying the, that test to my stories. Um, just to, to be a little controversial here, <laughs> um, I think it is like the Bechdel test is definitely like a good like standard um, when you are writing about like female characters. But I don't think if you don't pass the, tech, the, the test, it, I don't think it means that you're uh, your text is bad. It doesn't. It doesn't have to mean that your text is anti-feminist. Um, like recently, I, I thought about a short story that I wrote, that I, and after I wrote it and read it, I realized there wasn't a single female character in it. <laughs> uh, but I, I also thought about it like, okay, it's definitely not a feminist text because it's not a single woman. Um, but it doesn't mean it's anti-feminist. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's definitely great to have feminist texts mm -hmm. and stories. Um, but you can you can write a good story. Doesn't have to be feminist. That is true. Or like have any female characters because maybe it's the situation that that's. I mean, not maybe it's it's your story mm -hmm. and that that's how it happened in your mind with male characters. And why should you force yourself to add female characters just to? balance it out in a way because in this story you just don't have it and I also feel like um, go, going back to that when like we're not sure if this is a demonstration or not I feel like maybe it's more about balancing it out so if you have a situation where it comes off you didn't intend it but it comes off anti-feminist you could have another sort of like she helps him and he helps her or, mm -hmm. you know always something that kind of compensates with that Mm -hmm. So at least you don't have to leave out something or try to like force it into another, like or connect it into another event or situation. But you could just like try to uh, balance it out. So maybe that's a solution. Mm -hmm. yeah. I say that yeah, a man helping a woman or two women talking about a man isn't necessarily not feminist. It's just I think the whole purpose of the Bechdel test is that it's ridiculous to have book series with like five or six books in them or like the Lord of the Rings like three very thick volumes and there's like hardly any women in, in there and mm -hmm. if I don't think the Lord of the Rings even passes the second step like they, <laughs> it doesn't even have two women talk, talking to each other like <laughs> it's just a base level of and also like that just makes the story worse too because that's not a good story at all of course, yeah, if you write a short story in a homosocial environment where there's just men, it's perfectly fine. You might also have, I don't know, if you write a, a, um, a, yeah, if it goes past that, if you write a novel, for instance, about a homosocial environment like the military, which used to be largely homosocial, not so much anymore, but even there it's completely unrealistic for, for a soldier there not to meet a woman at some point of his everyday life because there's women everywhere in this world so it's like a it's just a base level of quality 
for longer stories. And so, I wouldn't even say it's like determining whether whether your whether your text is feminist or not. That's just a seal of quality for me. So maybe keep it in mind, but not take it too seriously. <laughs> take a message from that for me at least. Like yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing. I would definitely I can't forget about it anymore. <laughs> That's the thing. But um, maybe not stick to it like surely or so, but like strictly, but. Just try to be flexible with it. It's yeah, a good yeah. guideline, definitely. Um, yeah. Feminism doesn't mean actually for women to to reject the idea of marriage, of, of motherhood, of feelings. Because <laughs> if I if I uh, if I think of myself, I wrote uh, love poems, mm -hmm. and they always broke me down, and I always thought, oh, it's so cliche. But I had to accept that I have those feelings, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a non-feminist or not a not free woman because I have these feelings it's, towards it's someone. It's definitely not about any matter whatsoever. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but it does like come off like that as well to maybe anti-feminists or people that are against this. But it is the way it is. Like we shouldn't be afraid of really being. That's what I meant by when I'm afraid of being too feminine. That's a bad sign as well because I have feminine side. I'm maybe more than masculine because I'm a female. I don't know. It can it can be or somebody else, some other girl could be so stereotypical that sometimes I judge that person because I'm like, oh, it's too feminine. But we have those feelings, and we shouldn't also be afraid of having them or acting mm. in a feminine way because it shouldn't be bad. Just not have one side of you that is just, it shouldn't be all about you to be feminine. There should be other things yeah. to you. That's, the, that's the difference. Course, and of course men also have those feelings and exactly. just women. But if, when, you, when you tell us about these masculine and feminine sides, you also think about androgyny maybe within yourself? So it's like um, it's like having both masculine and feminine mm -hmm. side. So. Yeah. So it's that, that it's like fifty fifty. I, I can't give percentages, but I think that everybody has um, qualities from different sort of gender. Gender features. spectrum. Exactly. And I think especially artists are more sensitive and more open to mm -hmm. these. I just it's it becomes harmful if you come to a point where you're like you can't be yourself because of your gender because what people expect of you um, or most of the times this, this is subconscious you don't even notice that you're not being yourself because of your because of the social expectations that are associated with your own gender yeah, it's like but otherwise yeah you have qualities from everything about genders, it's, it's normal. Something I'm wondering about, um, because I've read about that and talked with people about that, that they, they think what is important in novels to distinguish a ma male narrator from a female narrator is to describe the way that, how does the man see the women he, or, his, the woman he loves or whatever, how, how he describes her, he would, this is not what I think, but mm -hmm. he would describe her beauty and her physical features more than she would 
describe his character or his feelings or whatever more, <laughs> or that they are different in the way that they deal with certain situations. If they, I don't know, if they feel very bad, maybe men would rather get drunk and women would talk to their girlfriends. I don't know about these things. It's just something I heard. And I think, I personally think it's rubbish, again, because I don't think mm -hmm. that that's true. But, yeah, I, w I just wanted to, to throw it around and see what I think it's a media back. thing. I think, in reality, people react in so many different ways. But because media is always depicting it in certain ways, like, mm -hmm. as you said, it, most of the movies or commercials or so are just, like, Bad. like a girl would talk to her girlfriends or a man would get drunk or basically not talk about I also had a I um, watched a TED talk about that like what when he claims like men are not are sort of not supposed to share their feelings so mm -hmm. much and they also don't share it with each other I, I mean um, they don't seek help because it's maybe something that is associated with being powerful and being able to handle your own problems on your own and stuff so this is the way that that is always shown it's out there and maybe that's like a circle where people actually see that and they sort of act like you but then again girls and everything would it be an unauthentic representation of a man or a woman in literature if one mm -hmm. wouldn't adhere to these standards and wouldn't say that a man talks about his love interest who is a woman by describing the way she looks more than her personality or that he doesn't talk to his guy friends when he's feeling bad but goes to a bar and gets drunk. I don't know. I don't think it should be like that but I think it could be for some readers if they read a story like that they would say I'm sorry but your male character is really unrealistic and not relatable and not authentic because It was written by a woman um, in a way that, I don't know, he's more female than male. I mean, criticism, we, we always get criticism for things we write, of course, but it's just something that I thought might happen and might come up. I, don't know, I, I wouldn't call it like unauthentic, but maybe like surprising. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these things that you just uh, gave us an example, kind of like, it's just examples of like toxic masculinity. And... <laughs> Uh, if we have like a, like a scene in a book or a movie about like two male characters talking about their emotions, like in a, I think you could like st structure and write it in different ways. You could you could make it an extreme where they just behave typically feminine, mm -hmm. or you could just I think it is like uh, Scarecrow's masculine way to talk about your feelings, mm -hmm. and I think that would just be like a nice surprise, and I think that would just be a mm -hmm. healthy portrayal of, of, a, of a friendship mm -hmm. but um, actually I wanted to add something to the question about uh, depicting the characters of the opposite sex because a little while ago I saw this, this thing on, on, on Twitter where there was this male author who said he is the proof that men can write realistic women and he gave like an excerpt from one of his stories, Leah knows what I'm talking about uh, <laughs> And it was just a woman, like from a woman's perspective, uh, describing herself as tall but not too tall, and 
wearing jeans so tight that if she had a, her credit card in her pocket, you could see the expiration date. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it started as like this trend of uh, women who were supposed to like, describe herself like a man would. And like a lot of comments like, here I am with my boobs and my long legs. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah, just wish so. for like I would just wish for like a book written from from a woman written by a woman from like a male's perspective like the other extreme like here I am with my penis <laughs> just thinking about my genitals all day and how sexy I am. Okay, oh, perfectly fine. I'd say, yeah. isn't it? it's like it's very authentic. Maybe there are people who actually do that, like. Yeah. I really don't know. Sure. I'm sure there are, yeah. and I'm sure they might be very powerful and have a lot of yeah power to do very horrible things. like uh, Very bad haircuts. Like, yes, uh, and they are very famous for their hair as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can relate right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not personally. <laughs> oh, God. On this note, we're going to call it Today, I think we're having another episode on gender, maybe even two other episodes. I feel like this is a topic that uh, yields a lot of uh, a lot of um, content for us, and uh, there's other people also who have expressed their interest on being on such a panel. So, you guys, is there any place where the people can find you on the internet? Okay, Ellie speaking. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Elika Blogspot. I think you'll write it down in the description. Sure. Um, it's about my poetry and some of my travels. And I also have an Instagram page where I discover alternative cafes all around the world that I think are worth to be known more or discovered. So if you want, you could check that out. I have a blog where I publish all my writings in German and in English. Um, you can find it under uh, dtintenfish.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter at fipsterhipster. Or <laughs> Leo is going to write it in the description, so you will. <laughs> you you can you don't have to figure out how to spell it. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Leo Engelmeyer, which I will also put in the description because nobody can spell that name, not even I can. This was episode 11 of the Universe podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more of us, make sure to subscribe to the Universe podcast wherever you're listening to it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review to tell us what you think and help other people find the programme. And tell all your friends about it. Comments? Questions? You can reach us on Twitter, we're at PodUniverse. On Facebook or on our email address, podcast at universe.univ.org. This podcast was edited and hosted by Leonhard Engelmeyer. The guests on this episode were Elivnaz Kabalgir, Charlotte Tseatz, Dora Warner, and Philip Kreuz. On the editorial board for this episode was Charlotte Zerz. I hope you visit this planet in the universe again. In the meantime, stay safe in space. Thank you for listening.